We're learning Sikha Hay of Parshas Vayishlach in Chelik Tezvav on page 294. The Shir today is being learned, Lilanishmas, of Yasef Binyamin ben Rabbanasha Koltman. A very Gishmaka Sikha on Arashi in this week's Parsha, with uh, then an explanation of Pipnimis and Yonim regarding this uh, Rashi and regarding this whole subject there. Yaakov and Esav, as we'll see. One of the kings, which the parasha speaks about, that was a king in the land of Edom, before the Yidin are kings in that place, is Yoivav ben Zorach mi Botsra. His name is Yoivav ben Zorach, and he comes from Botsra. Rashi brings these words, Yoivav ben Zorach from Botsra, on his Mefarish, and Rashi explains, Botsra me'ari Mayev. Botsra is actually one of the cities in Mayev, not in Edom. Shenema val Kiryas val Botsra v'Gaimer, and there Kiryas is one of the cities in Ed- in Mayev, not Edom. Lefi shemida melech leEdom, because Mayev established a king for Edom, asida lilcha simon. In the future, they will also be punished along with Edom. Shenema kizevach l'Hashem beBotsra. That Hashem will slaughter in Batsra, referring to this Batsra that's really in Mayav, but the reason they're getting punished is because of them establishing a king in Edom. So now, what is Negeya Tzum Shat from the Posik as Batsra is Mari Mayav? Why is it relevant for the simple understanding of this Posik to know this fact that Batsra is actually a city in Mayav? Mepharshim learnin, so the Mepharshim explained this Rashi, as the mitfa and Rashi, with this Rashi is coming to answer, Favaz the Pasik daf bachlal that salen from vanit, that is, mi Botsra. Why is the Pasik even telling us where this king, Yevav ben Zorach, came from? That he came from Botsra. And the Pasik here is telling us, like Rashi says, as thus is, Kedait sum midiyazayin shahasid the Botsra lulkis imam. It's coming to notify us that this fact, the punishment of Botsra, that in the future Botsra will be punished because it established a king for Adam. This explanation for Rashi is not understood and is not sufficient. Vile for two reasons. Number one, Aleph, Hogufakasha. So this remains a question on the Pasik Why is it relevant to know this fact over here in the Pasik that Batsra will be punished together with Adam? The Pasuk here is just enumerating the various different kings of Adam. The fact that the city where the king originated from is Batsra and will be punished, how is that relevant here? The Pasuk here is not at all speaking about the time period when Adam will be punished in the future, when Mashiach comes. Besides this, there's another question, this is the main question here. By Yadim from the Oiz Gerechen Tamalche Yadim, by all of the mentioned kings of Adam here, Oisereinim, besides one of them, is the Pasik Mitzayin the Mokamoitzay. The Pasik points out where he came from. And if Kainim from Zay, Shtelzach Rashi Nitop. On none of them, Rashi doesn't stop to explain what is this city that he came from. Onachmer, even more so, by Mletzten Melech in the Pasik. It is the Pasik Moisif, when it comes to the last king of Edom, the Pasik even adds more details about him. Not only the city he came from, which is Po'u, the name of his wife was Metavel. Adds more details, the daughter of Matri, the daughter of Mezov. 
On Rashi, does not clarify why is it necessary to have all these signs regarding one king to identify him. As Rashi explains what the meaning of Mezov is. It's from them move on. It's from the from the fact that Rashi regarding all other kings where it mentions their city or, or who they are, identifying them with certain simonim, so it's understood as Aldara Khapshat is Dasm Khathilakin Kashinit. In the Pshat of the Posik, this is not at all a question. This is the way the Posik describes and identifies people. It gives you different details and signs about them. So why if you here regarding Batsra, does Rashi stop and explain who is who's Yaiv ben Zarach that he came from Batsra, which is from, from Moyev? Later in one of the Horas of the Sikha, the Rebbe actually also points out that the Dibra Maschal of Rashi, Yoiv of Ben Zarach, Mi Batsra, is interesting because Rashi seemingly is only explaining Batsra. So why is the Dibra Maschal also Yoiv of Ben Zarach? There are more Diyukim, as we'll see in the continuation of the Sikha in this Rashi, but unlike most Sikhs, where the Rebbe brings all the Diyukim in the beginning and then gives the answer, the Rebbe asks these two basic questions here and begins immediately with the answer, and we'll see the other Diyukim later in the Sikha. So, so to understand what it is that's bothering Rashi with Batra, Bahagdim Habir and Mposik Vesvet Ongizog Vegan Gadlos Malchus von Edom Visra. So we first have to look back, go back to Parshas Toildis, where the Posik speaks about the two kingdoms of Adam and Yisrael, which begins all by the pregnancy of Rivka, Shnei Goyim Bevitnech. And Shame tells her that you have two nations in your womb. Two different uh, peoples, two different nations will be separated, come out from your womb. And these two nations will fight with one another. And then the Pesach concludes, The older one will serve the younger one. So what is the meaning of all these details in the Pesach here? When it says here that these two nations will fight, Rashi explains, They'll never be equal in greatness. When one gets up and is, is strong, the other falls. When it comes to the conclusion of the Pasuk, and there it says that the older one serves the younger one, which means Esau serves Yaakov, is Rashi, Garnet Mefarish. Rashi doesn't explain any details more than what the Pasuk actually says. Isn't it move on? So if so, it's not understood here. If Rashi himself said that they'll never be equal when one stands, the other falls. So then how could it be that the Pasuk then concludes just simply saying, seemingly with no conditions, that the older one serves the younger one? From this it seems that this is constant. And in all times, and there's no condition for this. But how could it be if in the beginning of the Pasuk it does say that The Medrash Zoktaka, if you look in the Medrash, the Medrash actually says similar regarding If Yaakov Avinu will be Zaycheh, so then Esau will serve him. But if not, he will be serving. He will be serving Esau. Discussing here Rashi, he does not quote this Medrash. So it seems like the conclusion of the Pasuk, Verav Yavetzoyer, is unconditional. So the explanation here is that there's no contradiction of the beginning of the Pasuk and the end of the Pasuk. Why? Because Shnei Goyim Bevitnech. First, if Shnei Goyim Bevitnech. What does Rashi say? What does it mean when the Pasuk says that there are two nations in your, 
womb. Is Rashi Mefarish Geyim Ksiv? That it's to be, even though it's read Goyim, but it's actually written as Geyim. And who are they referring to? Elo Atenin Antoninus Verebi. Geyim means the great ones. And who are these great ones? This is Antoninus that came from Esau and Rebbe that came from Yaakov, Achulu. That's what Rashi says regarding Shnei Goyim. And then what it says is Shnei Lo'umim, two nations, Taichter, there Rashi says, Ein Lo'oim Elamalchus. Lo'oim refers to the kingdom. So what do we see here from Rashi? When the Pasuk here says these two expressions, the Pasuk is not just repeating itself, maybe for the beauty of expressing the idea. No. The Pasuk is actually referring to two different ideas here, two different categories regarding Yaakov and Esau, or their descendants. Shnei goyim is the Yaakov and when it says Goyim, it actually refers to the two individuals of Yaakov and Esau. And also, when it comes to their descendants as individuals, when it comes to Yidin, the descendants of Yaakov, and the descendants of Esau as individuals, on that the Pasuk says, Shnei Goyim Bevitnech. When it says the two nations, Retzach Vegin Yaakov Esau Alts Mamloches. Here it's speaking about Yaakov and Esau uh, the kingdom of Yaakov, the kingdom of Esau. As Rashi says, Malchus. So if that's the Pshat in the beginning of the Pasik, the Shnei Goyim and the Shnei Lo'umim, like them is move on. So according to this, it's also understood that it's very vital the Geprotim and Pasik, that now the other two details that the Pasik further says, Ulo'oyim mil'oyim yemots, v'rav yavay tsar, kumen behemshech to the frey tzvei fridige sogem. So what it says here, it's a continuation to the two categories that the Pasik begins with, the Shnei Goyim, which means Geyim, the two individuals, Yaakov and Esau. And then Malayim Malayim, which refers to the kingdoms of Yaakov and Esau. Then the Pasik spells out regarding these two when it says, and Verav Again, I may have said it wrong. Again, the Shnei Goyim Bevitnech and Shnei Lo'umim is the first part of the Pasik. Corresponding to that, you have the Lo'im Malayim Yemots and Verav Yavetzar. And the Rebbe explains, when it says that you have the two nations, or really the two kingdoms, that will be a competition or a fight, it's speaking about the kingdom of Yaakov and the kingdom of Esau that will be fighting with one another. And in them is the Seder as Amal is Neufel. Over here, what will happen is one gets up and the other falls, and Amal Fakert, or in the opposite. Mashain came by Verav Yavitzar. But then when the Pasik says that the older one Esav will serve the younger one Yaakov, Ratzach wegen Yaakovin und Esavin und they're speaking about Yaakov and Esav and their descendants als Ishim Pratim, as individual people. Und in them is Verav Yavitzar Alamal. And regarding this, regarding individual Yid and individual guy that comes from Esav, always Verav Yavitzar. The status is that the older one is serving the younger one. We find later when Yitzchak benches Yaakov the same thing. Yaakov was benched with that you will be a leader over your brother. And Yitzchak gave no, didn't mention any conditions or limitations to this. That it only takes effect in certain time periods, or that there's any changes or competition regarding this. 
Bis to the point that we see as Mahai time not Yitzchok gesagt to Esav, and this is why Yitzchok tells Esav when Esav asks Yitzchok, give me a bracha as well. So Yitzchak tells him, What's the point? What benefit will you have if I will bench you as well? Because in Tikkun and Chasim, whatever possessions, whatever you'll have, it all belongs to Yaakov. Because whatever the servant acquires belongs to the master. And he is your master. Yaakov is his master. So we see that Yitzchak is telling Esau, I can't bench you anymore. And he doesn't tell him, oh, you know what? It'll be conditional. Sometimes Yaakov will be the master, sometimes you will be the master. He doesn't tell him that. He just says, Masha Konavet, Konarabai, unconditionally. But, says, Nar Vasvahoya, Kashe Torid. Yaakov tells, uh, sorry, Yitzchak that is, tells Esau, Kashe Torid, which means, as Rashi there says, Kashi Yavri Yisrael Alatayr. Rashi says, Torid means a lotion of Tsar, when it'll be a painful situation. And Yidin will be over on, on the Torah, is then what will happen is, You will remove the yoke of Yaakov that rules over you from your neck. What does this mean? So the Rebbe is medayik over here, the words that Rashi says, You will remove the yoke. That's Hayes, what this really means is, Even in this time period, when Yidin are not keeping Torah, But still, Yitzchak is not telling him then, now you become the leader and you get the bracha. That's not what he was saying. Rather, even then, he'll continue being really a servant to Yaakov. And Yaakov is really the master. Even then, even in that situation when he's an Eved, he'll be given the power to remove that yoke of his Avdus. His status as an Eved remains. But the yoke of his avdus will have the power to remove. So again, you see over here that really this bracha of havigvila checha, and even before this, when it says is unconditional in all times, and that refers to the individuals of Yaakov and Esav, or any individual yid or guy. Really, the status remains always eternally verav So therefore, we understand over here that. There's two completely different things. There's the Malucha. Yes, there is an Indian of Malucha that Esav, there'll be a Malucha by Esav, and sometimes a Malucha by Yisrael, Keshezek, Kambazen, Neifel. But always, regarding Ishim Prati and regarding individuals, Yidin are always the master, or the descendants of Yaakov are always the master, and Esav is always the one that is serving. Al-Pizeh, based on this. Coming back now to our parsha over here and this pasuk, when it speaks about all the kings of uh, Edom of Esau that ruled in in his, his cities, so the question is: Was the pasuk zokt? Pasuk here comes and says: These are the king that ruled in the in the city of Edom or in the land of Edom. Before the kings that ruled for the Yidden there. Was the Torah the Tzelta? So the Torah is relating here via Zayis's Mekuyim Gevarin Darinim from Laim Laim Yamatz, the fulfillment of what Shem said to Rivka that these the nations and the kingdoms there will be a competition between them. And here it speaks about the Kam. The Esav's Malucha is is up and strong as the Malchayed the Malchu Gaimel of Nei Malach Malach of Nei Israel before the kingdom of the Eden will eventually come and rule there. And then, when Malach Melech Levnei Yisrael is Bittel Malchus Eisah Bimei, 
And then when the Eden come and rule, so then this nullifies the kingdom of Esau in, in that time period. That's what the Pasuk here is coming to explain, the fulfillment of this part of Shem's Nevoah. But the question though is, But on the other hand though, the Nevoah also said, <coughs> that as far as the individual Yidin are concerned, so Esau is always serving Yaakov. And also the Bracha, that you will be the leader. So this is something which is constant and never changes when it comes to the individual Yidin and the individual descendants of Esau. And this includes even the time period where Yidin are not keeping Taira and Esau is removing that yoke, but nevertheless, he's only removing the yoke, but really he still is an Evet. If so, looking here at these Psukim, that talk about the time period when Esau is the king. Vikuntes, how is it possible, as the Bnei Esau, Hab Gahat Malachim, that the descendants of Esau had their time when they ruled and they had kings, in Zayas man in their time, pumped as Zayvi Bnei Yisrael in Zayas man, and it seems to be identical the Kayach of their Malucha, including also the individuals, the individuals of the kings that were there, and the individuals of of the descendants of Esau. Their Malucha is exactly identical to the Malucha of the Eden that comes later. On Ken Chilot and Velache as and we don't find any distinction which should express the point that have a gevir lachecha and alazmanim that should express this idea here that regarding individuals yidden are still the leaders over the Gaim. You don't see that over here. There should be some kind of expression to this idea that yes, the malucha of Edoim now it's the time of Zekom that they're stronger, but nevertheless. Their malucha, you should see that it's only regarding the malucha in general, but there has to be something different over here that still in this time period gufa, when they are kings, you should see that individual Yidin still rule over an individual descendant of Esau. Why is that not expressed over here at all? Only one half of the Nevoah you see the Pasuk speaking about the way it was fulfilled. The other part though of Rav Yavet and Havik Virla you don't see at all this being fulfilled. Seems to be equal Yaakov and Esau. Kanal again, as the Rebbe mentioned before, as Vahoya Kashatarid is not Ufarak Taulis. The Rebbe Bavarans again, you may say, well, after all, even regarding this, that regarding individuals, Yaakov remains the ruler, but Esau throws off that yoke though. So maybe you won't see any difference because Esau threw off the yoke. So even regarding individuals, you can't see how Esau is serving Yaakov in any way. But nevertheless, the Rebbe says that means Blois Heder Hashibud Bepoil. That means that he's not actually subjugated. But not that regarding the individual king that comes as a descendant from Esau, that he is truly the king. The individual king that's a descendant from Esau, he is not really a king. He's really a servant. So therefore, in the Pasik, we should see over here somehow that this individual king is not the same as the king that it is by Klal Yisrael. The, but a, a Klal Yisrael, when a Yid is a king, he's truly a ruler over Edom. Not only the kingdom, but the king himself. But over here, when it comes to Edom, yes, you have the kingdom of Edom that rules. But how about the king himself? The king himself is not really a king. He's an Evet. So how does that express itself? Where do you see the difference between the king that descends from Yaakov and the king that descends from Esau? Is the beard in them? So over here, the explanation is in the Pasuk itself that describes the kings that ruled in the kingdom of Eden. 
The parsha Lim Bavarin, so the parsha itself clarifies this and says as as durch zugeben by yederim from the Malchi Yedim the Mokim or the Shtatim Vanat Hashem that it, it adds and it says regarding these kings of Edom the place or the city from where he came from was the Ale Eretz and a Nit from Eretz Edom. All of the places that it mentions here, the names of the cities that they came from, are not from the land of Edom. What does this mean? The myth is the Torah Madgish. With this, the Torah is emphasizing. It's not just writing the names from where they came from as an, uh, to assign for identity, who they were. But rather, it's coming to emphasize as the Malchei Edom, the actual kings themselves, they're actually not descendants from Esau. Nor from under the Medina, from Bemelo, from under Omas. They come from different countries, and therefore they're descendants from other nations. So yes, true that the Malaim, Malaim Yemets means regarding the kingdom. There is the time period where Edom is the kingdom of Edom rules, but the actual individuals, the king himself, himself that ruled in Edom, is not is not a descendant from Esau at all. And therefore, we see over here the fulfillment of the other half of the bracha, Verav Yavet that when Edom rules, it, the individual king there is not from Edom. When Yaakov rules, and when the descendants of Yaakov rules, the kings are the Yidin that rule. Okay, so this is in general regarding all the kings that it speaks about over here. But now let's come back to Yevav ben Zorach mi Batsra. How about Yevav ben Zorach mi Batsra? Is this also a king that's not from Edom? Of them, be it is Abedas Tiref and Yoyvav Ben Zorach Mibatsra. But over here comes a question and a contradiction to this idea from this king of Yoyvav Ben Zorach that comes from Batsra. But this is Mashma as the Melech Yoyvav is Yegeven from Bnei Esav. Here it seems that he was a king that did descend from Esav. For two reasons. Varum, Aleph number one, Zorach is Einufun the Alufe Reish Mishpachis Bnei Esav. Earlier it mentions Zorach as one of the generals or one of those heads of the families of Esav. Seemingly, he was a descendant from Esau. Bayes, another point there is, Bekama Mekaymus in Nevi'im, in some places in Nevi'im, and the Rebbe's Mitzayim, a bunch of places in the Hara here, Vert Batzra, der Mont, Beshaychis, to Eretz Edaim, it's mentioned over here that Batzra is part of Edaim. There was the Funis Mashma as Batzra is Ashtot in Eretz Edaim. So since it's mentioned in, in, along with, together with Edaim, it seems like that Batzra is a place in Edaim. So if so, both Yoivov is a descendant from Esau, Batsra is in Edom. So if so, it comes out that here we do have a king, an individual that descended from Esau, and he was able to rule over the Eden. He wasn't a, a servant to Esau, in this, to Yaakov that is, he was, he was a real ruler. So how could that be if it says that regarding Ishim Prati and regarding individuals, the descendants of Esau will never be rulers? That's why Rashi comes in and says that no, Batsra is from the land of Moyev. And he brings a, a clear proof. It says Kiryas and then it says Batsra and Kiryas is clearly a city in Moyev. All cities mentioned there are from Moyev. As the Pasuk there concludes, Eretz Mayav Gaimer, and so to all the cities in the land of Mayav. And thus is Echai Chache, and this also proves as Yoivav Ben Zarach is nit from the Bnei Yisav. So it's a different Yoivav, this Yoivav, even though it comes from Zarach, but it's a different Zarach, not from the descendants of Esav. He comes from the land of Mayav and from the descendants of Mayav. And thus is Megifin, Pekam and Mekaimis as Batsar Verter Mont in Sazamanang Mint Edai. Now ah, the question is, but don't we find in Nach many times that Batsra is mentioned in connection with the land of Edom? 
Now we understand the continuation of Rashi. Is Rashi das Masbe behemshech pirushay? Rashi explains this with what he continues and says: Olafisha hemida melech leedaim asida lilkais imayim v'cholu. Because from Mayav came the land, came the kings for Edom, so therefore they will in the future be punished together with Edom. Why is Rashi bringing this? So the Rebbe here is saying a new pshat. The way we originally understood this is, and Mepharshim said that Rashi is bringing the fact that they're going to be punished is because that is what the Pasik here is coming to teach me. It's coming to say, Batsra, just to tell me this point, that they're going to be punished along with Edom. But as the Rebbe pointed out, that's not the theme here that we're speaking about. Rather, as the Rebbe is explaining, Rashi here is bringing this point of the fact that Asida Lilka Simon in order to prove and to clarify that even though it seems like Batsra is mentioned together with Edaim, but it's really not part of Edaim. The only reason we find in Nach that it's mentioned together with Edaim is because it's going to be punished along with Edaim. And the Rebbe is in the Atuv, where it's Retzach wegen der Puranius, was the Rebbe wegen of Edaim, when the Psukim speak about the punishment that the Rebbe brings on Edaim, so Batsra is mentioned because Batsra will be punished together with Edom. But it's really not part of Edom. And really Batsra is a land in Mayav, as Rashi brings the Raya from another Pasuk, Valkyria is Val Batsra Vegaime. So this explains and this answers all the questions that the Rebbe asked in the beginning of the Sikha. Why Rashi is clarifying Bechlal regarding Batsra. The Rebbe says, yeah, completely new Pshat, unbelievable Pshat here, Benegayat, the Malucha of Esav, and the Ishim Pratim, the individuals, that you don't ever have an individual of Esau that rules over Yaakov, and therefore we must say that all the kings did not come from the descendants of Edom, including Yoivov ben Zarach that came from Batra. And here in one of the Haaretz, it ever points out that Rashi quotes the word Yoivov ben Zarach as well, not only the word Batra, because according to the Rebbe's Pshat, Rashi is not only coming to clarify what Batra is doing in the Pasik, but rather Rashi is also coming to clarify Yoivov ben Zarach, but that seemingly Yoivov ben Zarach, since his name is Zarach, he is a descendant of Esau. And therefore Rashi is answering that, no, this is a different Zarach, he came from Moyav. Now, the Rebbe will continue and explain some of the details in the Rayas that Rashi brings from the Psukim, that he brings from Nach, the Pasuk Valkyria is Valbatsra, and the Pasuk Hizevach Lashem Bebatsra, the exact details of how Rashi quotes those Psukim is very precise. So based on what we learned till here, and then when Rashi is bringing up the idea that that Batsra will be punished along together with Edom, what's Rashi bringing this here for? Main Rashi knits down to the Tzelen, the Shaykhs from Batsra to Edom. Is Rashi is not just coming to relate to you the connection of Batsra to Edom? Not to Mazbazain. Rashi actually wants to explain. Rashi is coming to answer a question. Why is it that we find that Batsra is always mentioned together with Edom? Chach, as he is, even though it's a land of Mayav. So this is really a question. Rashi is trying to prove his point that there's many places that it is mentioned in Edom. So how can we say that it's part of the land of Mayav? And Rashi answers, that the reason that it's the only reason that it's mentioned together with Edom is just because it's going to be punished along with them. But otherwise, it is a land of Mayav. So there's a really a contradiction that Rashi is answering here. So that with this we can answer and then Rashi. Another diak in the Rashi, and here we'll see, as the Rebbe always points out, that everything in Rashi is ex- exact and precise, the way Rashi quotes these psukim here. In the Raya, so now, when Rashi brings the Raya as Batsra, 
my Eretz Mayavi, that we find that Batsra is actually from the cities of Mayav, brengt Rashi de Verte from Pasik. What does Rashi quote to prove this? So he brings Valkyriais, Val Batsra, and then Rashi adds Tsugebendik, he adds also Vigaymer, which is him telling you, look there further what it says in the Pasik. So meaning that even what it says further in the Pasik is relevant for the proof that Batsra is part of that Mayav. And in the Tzvete Raya, when Rashi brings the other proof, or the other Pasik, as I see the Lilka Isimoem, that Batsra is associated with Edoim, because it will be punished with them, so he brings here the Pasik, Zevach Lashem Batsra, that Hashem is going to slaughter and, and punish in Batsra. And he doesn't bring the continuation of the Pasik to prove that this slaughtering and this punishing of Batsra is along with Edoim. Why doesn't Rashi bring that? Logically, you would expect the opposite. That it's in the Pasuk, that the continuation of the Pasuk is very relevant to prove that there it's speaking about the punishment of Batsra together with Eden. As the Rebbe explains. So first going back to the, the Pasuk of that Batsra is from the lands of Mayav. So again, Rashi quotes, Val Kiryas, Val Batsra, so leave the raya as Batsra me'are Mayavi to prove the fact that Batsra is one of the cities of Mayav. It's sufficient just to quote these two these words here, Kiryas and Batsra. Alain, that alone. You don't need any vagaima. You don't have to see the continuation of the Pasik. Why? As Kashem vi Kiryas is from the Are Mayav. Just like Kiryas is from the cities of Mayav. And this is something that you see clearly, as the Rabbi brings here in the Hara, it says clearly in, in Nach that. Kiryas is part of Mayav. Azayach is Va'al Batsra. When it adds and says, and also Batsra, Mayari Mayav. So from this itself, it's clear that Batsra is part of the cities of Mayav. On the Hemshech HaPasik, the continuation of the Pasik, where it actually adds and says, Va'al Kol Ore Eretz Mayav. That also all the other cities in the land of Mayav, as Rashi is Meram is mit Vigayme, Rashi hints with Vigayme. It's not I soften that I. Yeah, that adds to the proof because it mentions their Mayav. But you don't really need it for the actual proof. Because Kiryais we know is Mayav. So we already understand that Batsra that says together with Kiryais is also Mayav. So here it's really not necessary for Rashi to add the Vigayme. But nevertheless Rashi here says Vigayme. Look at what it says in the, in the Pasuk afterwards. Dakagin, on the other hand, the Raya's Batsra is Asida Lilkais Imoem. The fact that Batsra will be punished and it's not being punished alone here, but it's being punished together with Edaim, Tzazamim with Edaim. There's really no proof from just these words that Rashi quotes that Hashem will slaughter in Batsra. Because in these words, Adam is not mentioned at all. The whole proof is from the continuation and the completion of the Pasik. And a great slaughter in the land of Adam. And by that I get Rashi Nitsu the word And here Rashi does not add the word Vegaimer. So if Rashi is coming to answer a contradiction here, and, and Rashi has to explain this, so, so why, when it comes to Batsra, where it's clear, without the Vegaimer, does he add the Vegaimer? And when it comes to Zevach Lashem Batsra, does Rashi not add the Vegaimer, even though the whole entire Rai seemingly is only from the continuation of the Pasik where it mentions Adin? So we can explain this as follows. From Hemshech HaPasik, Zevach Lashem Batsra, V'tevach Gadl Be'eretz Adin, from the continuation of the Pasik. When you look at this Pasik, Zevach Lashem Batra, 
the Abishal will slaughter in Basra. And then it continues to say that the Abishal will also slaughter in the land of Edom. Seemingly, the whole raya that Basra is associated with Edom comes in the continuation of the Pasik. The continuation of the Pasik may actually be a proof that contradicts what Rashi is saying. As Batsra is Me'are Mayav, the point that Rashi is trying to say that Batsra is really part of Mayav, and it's being mentioned here together with Edom because it will be punished together with Edom. Why is there a contradiction to what Rashi is saying? Because if we're going to say that Batra is a city of Moyav, which is only associated with Edom, and Edom is the place where the Abish is primarily coming to punish, if so, the order of the Pasuk here is strange. It makes no sense to say that the Pasuk will first talk about the fact that the Abish punishes what's secondary, what's only associated with Edom, and only afterwards does the Pasik add and say about the main and the cause of the punishment, which is Vitevach Gadl Beretz Edim. That is the great slaughter that Abish punishes Edim itself. So there's something wrong over here in this Pasik, according to the way Rashi is explaining this, seemingly. If if the main punishment is Edim, so why does it not begin with Vitevach Gadl Beretz Edim? And then add, in addition to Edim, also. Which is associated with Edom. But that's not what it says here. It says first Batsra. So therefore the continuation of the Pasik seems to be a contradiction to what Rashi is saying. Not Mekan, Farenferin. This question we could answer. And this is a Deichik. But on a Zoyvet Mamuzan Ein Lanolit Rashi. This is how Rashi is learning this Pasik here. As their Vav, Fun Vitevach Gadlgeime. When it says over here, first. That the Abisha slaughters in Batsra, and then it adds Vit Tevach Gadl, and also the great slaughter of Edom, which is really the source of, of, of the punishment, is Nitkein Vava Moisif. That Vav actually should not be translated as and. In other words, a secondary, additional thing that comes along with the punishment of Batsra. Because then you'll have the question why are we saying that the punishment of Edom is only and, secondary? It's not secondary, that's the main source of the punishment. Nor rather avav hamafsik. It's avav which is coming to separate. Sometimes avav could be used as a separation. That the pasuk is saying the Abisha will punish mayav. Number one. Then another point. Number two. The Abisha will also punish edain. Two two points that the pasuk is saying. So the vav is sort of coming to separate them one from another. So if we're separating, so you can't anymore ask why does it talk about the punishment of Batsra before it talks about the greater punishment and the source of the punishment that's with Edom because the Pasuk is sort of mentioning them side by side as two separate points. Okay, so but now the Rebbe points out in the Ha'are, nevertheless, you still do have a raya from here that Mayav is only mentioned, again, Batsra that is, is only mentioned as associated with the lands of Edom, not because it's part of Edom, but because it's going to be punished together with Edom, even though in the Pshat of the Pasuk here, it doesn't mean and, that Mayav and Edom are being punished together, that's not the way the Pasuk writes it, but the very fact that the punishment of Mayav, of Batsra and Mayav, and the punishment of Edom are being written in the same Pasuk side by side, even though the Pshat of the Pasuk is, that the Vav is not a Vav HaMaisif, but it's a Vav HaMafsik, and it's sort of separating them. But nevertheless, they're mentioned side by side in the same Pasik. That itself is Rashi's proof that 
Mayav, of Batsra from Mayav, is associated with Edom, and that's why it's mentioned together with Edom. But not that it's actually a land in Edom. Now, but Vibalt Ober as Bepashtus is from Hemshech Apostlech Akashev Perish But since looking at this superficially, the continuation of the Pasik, after the words Vetevach Lashem Bebatsra, or Vezevach Lashem Bebatsra, the continuation of the Pasik where it says Vetevach Gadol Beretz Edom is actually a question in Rashi's Pshat. So therefore, Rashi does not hint to the continuation of the Pasuk, because once you hint the continuation of the Pasuk, that would force Rashi to go through all the details and to explain to you how it's still a Raya. And therefore, Rashi just brings the Pasuk, and he's going to sort of rely on the learner to figure out what the Rebbe says here, why it's not a stira to what he says. But if Rashi would write the Vigaymer, so then it would seem like, well, the continuation of the Pasuk, if you want to read the Pasuk as one flow, that the Vav is a Hemshech, then it's actually a question. So that explains why Dafko over here, Rashi leaves out the Vigaymer, and Rashi answers and explains that Batsra is really part of Eretz Mayav, and it's only mentioned in Nach in various places, together with Edom, because it's going to be punished in the future along with Edom. So this explains, Mamash, you see how precise, even when Rashi quotes a Pasik, it's exact how he quotes it, yes of a Gaimer or no Vigaymer. Now, but now going back to the general theme of the Sikha, that when it comes to Virav Yavitzar, when it comes to the individual of Yaakov and Esau, and individuals and the descendants of Yaakov and Esau, on that we say unconditionally that Esau serves Yaakov. But here the Rebbe has a basic question on this from what we see in this week's parasha. If an Indian anal on this point here, as Loit Rashi is Virav Yavitzar, Kizokt Gevaran if Alas Manan. The fact that the older one serves the younger one is unconditionally for all time periods. Seemingly, there's a question here from the beginning of the parsha. The parsha begins with the story of Yaakov and Gishik Malachim to Esav. Yaakov sent Malachim to Esav. This is what you should say to my master Esav. This is what your servant Yaakov said. Find favor in your eyes. So over here we see clearly that Yaakov is referring to himself as the servant and Esau is the master. And the Pasuk later says as well, as Yaakov sends gifts to Esau, he bows down to him seven times, many times he refers to him as my master, and refers to himself as your slave. This is all stands in, in stark contradiction to the unconditional nevuah of Virav Yavitzar, that the older one is the one that has to serve the younger one. So Yaakov is the master and Esav is the Abed. So how do we explain the story in the beginning of this week's parsha? So the Rebbe now clarifies, in Derech Hapshat is this Nitkin Kasha. According to the simple understanding of how you read the Pasik, there is no question here at all. Because we can answer as follows. Now we find that Yaakov Avinu was concerned about Esau coming and killing him. And why was he concerned? Didn't he have a promise of, from Hashem when Yaakov Avinu in Parshas Vayetze, in last week's Parsha, when it speaks about Yaakov going to Choron, so over there Yaakov made a neder that if the Ebishter will uh, protect me and uh, so Yaakov over there got the Ebishter's promise that the Ebishter will protect him. Protect him from Lavan, protect him from Esau. 
And nevertheless, when Yaakov comes back from love and he's about to approach Esav, he's afraid. Why is he afraid? So Rashi explains, Shemot He was afraid, maybe I became dirtied with Avedis, and therefore I'm not deserving that Hashem's promise should be fulfilled. A clear promise he was afraid it won't be fulfilled. Which is, That the said he'll only do good with Yaakov. So definitely we can understand that Yaakov was afraid as to leave them Also the prophecy, which is not as powerful as a promise, will also not be fulfilled. The prophecy of that Esau will be the servant to Yaakov, the master, which was not even promised to him, or even not a promise, but it's a prophecy. And this prophecy was not said to him directly, it was said to his mother, through shame, when his mother went to ask regarding what's going on with the pregnancy. So therefore, this is not a question. However, it's still not smoothly understood what Yaakov did over here. Since the Nevoah of Rav Yavetzar, and also including the Bracha that Yitzchak said, you will be the leader over your brother, is not verbunden mit dem it's not connected, there's no condition, even when it says, that's not a condition, because the Rebbe already explained before, even when Yidin, or God forbid, it's just that Esau will throw off the yoke of his subjugation to Yaakov, but still, he's going to be the Evet. If so, so how does Yaakov go and act and do something which is the opposite extreme of what the prophecy and the bracha that he received was? To the extent that he refers to Esau as his master and he refers to himself as his servant. So therefore, it still needs an additional explanation what Yaakov was trying to accomplish with this. So now the Rebbe brings what it says in the Medrash. In Medrash gefint mentake, in the Medrash you find as val Yaakov had geschickt malachen zu Esavin. Ohne mangerufen adaini v'cholu, because he sent these messengers to Esav, and he referred to Esav as a master and so on, is Yaakov nenesh kevaren. Yaakov was punished for this. Aber, however, vigeret filmal, already explained many, many times, vibal to avis and given amrekovet sumrats nelian kol We know that avis will completely nullify to Hashem like a merkava, like a like a wagon that's just serving its rider, has no will or feeling out of its own. Is move on as by zei is nitshayich the mitzias from rachas v'shalom. It's understood that it's impossible for there to be any idea of existence of evil. God forbid. There's no idea of sinning when it comes to the Avis. And the fact that certain things that they do may seem like a sin, is it doesn't at all mean the idea of Chet in the simple sense. And that, that means also not even a Chet Bedakus. It's, it's a different concept. It's a different thing. By the Avis, if there are a Merkava to the Eibishter, everything they do is an expression of that full bittel to the Eibishter. So we have to explain what was Yaakov doing here when he was treating Esau like a master. As we see over here regarding this itself, that Yaakov treated Esau as a master, even before we come to the Hezbollah, that the Rebbe will soon explain, but we even see in Nigla that the Gemara explains that this was not a Chet. 
Yes, we find the Medrash says that Yaakov was punished with this behavior in connection with Esau. The Chazal Zagan, the Medrash says. From Dezvegen, nevertheless, on the other hand, Lent Menop, the Medrash also learns from Dera and Hagagufer. From this very behavior itself, the Medrash teaches us as Machnifin, the Rishoim, Ba'ilam Haza, Mepnei Dark Yishalem. That one may express Chanufa, he may express flattery to a Rasha in this world for the purpose of peace. And this is learned from Yaakov, meaning Yaakov's behavior is positive and something that we learn from. So again, this, this even shows you in Nigla that we see this point that something that a tzaddik does is not a chet, it's something positive that we learn from. But the Rebbe now will come and explain on a much deeper level what it is that Yaakov was doing in the beginning of this week's parsha when he's bowing down to Esau and he's referring to him to his master. So this takes us into a completely different subject, a beautiful Indian of Pichsidis. In Chsidis Retzach. So in Chsidis, which is in the Torah, the Chsidis Parsha of this week's Parsha, it explains. As Bisharshai is Esau Hecher from Yaakovin. In his root, where Esau comes from, he really comes from a higher place than where Yaakov originates from. But the Fad is Ergeven the Bukhar Beleda. This is the reason why in birth he was the firstborn. When Yaakov comes and refines and elevates the level of Esau, who he is below over here in this world, is in Yaakov and Meir an Ernaila from So then what Yaakov will receive is he gets this tremendous revelation of the Shadish of Esau, who he is above us, which is even higher than the Shadish of Yaakov. And this is what Yaakov is trying to accomplish and access and receive from Esau here. With this, it's explained why Yaakov sends Malachim, and the Lashon the Pasuk uses is Lafon of a head or higher to Esau. And he speaks to him with this term as my master, and and he refers to himself as an Eved. And so, so too, regarding the gift, the gifts that Yaakov sends Esau. What is all this about? As Yaakov of Bidem al Alam Gemeint, what Yaakov was referring with all of this is Bi'ikirdem Shaydish Fin He wasn't saying that Esav here below is his master, rather the Shaydish of who Esav is, Beruchnius, that's the master, that's a level which is higher than Ab. This is and Yaakov and higher than Yaakov. And that's who Yaakov was really approaching, and that's who Yaakov was really bowing down to. He was going to elevate Esav and therefore reveal his Shaydish Lamaila and benefit and receive from that Shaydish of Esav. That's the pshat that it says in Chesidus and Teirer and Teirus Chaim and so on. But here the Rebbe will tell us a much deeper pshat according to the simple pshat of the Pasuk that he was actually bowing down to Esau here below. But since the Medrash tells us that when Yaakov was bowing down to Esau, he lowered himself down not only to Esau's Shadish above but to Esau here below. And the Medrash says about a punishment, so we must say, as also this pshat of the Medrash, as Yaakov had geschickt the Malachim v'doyin cholut to Esav and Dolamata that yeah he's sending the Malachim and the gifts and so on to Esav here below is ois kahalten oich al pipnimi yisan yonim. This is something which is has meaning even according to the deeper pshat of how Yaakov is approaching Esav that Yaakov is trying to refine and elevate Esav. So, so Chesidus tells us that therefore he was trying to get from the Shadish of Esau, but there's also a meaning and a significance to the fact that Yaakov, while he's trying to refine Esau, is bowing down to Esau here below. So how could that be? What's the pshat in this? 
So the Rebbe explains, what's the process here? How is it that you come to be mevader, a person like Esau? There's two ways that this could be done. Let's see. Is the beer in them? So the explanation here is as follows. In Nitzachin hara o when you defeat the evil, or you refine the evil, So generally speaking, there are two different approaches how this can be done. One approach is by revealing tremendous level of light of holiness. The one that's coming to refine is Mamshech of Der Mizbare, comes and draws down and brings down on the entity of the one that will be refined, and a very great and intense revelation of holiness. And when this revelation is so powerful, so this truth of this, this, this light of Kedusha is so overwhelming and so powerful, it dispels any evil and darkness. And automatically this reveals the source of these holy sparks that were there stuck in this place of evil. But because when you bring such an intensity of Kedusha, such an intensity of the Ebishter and the truth in the world, the falsehood and the, the darkness it melts away and it all becomes bottled to Kedusha. That's one approach. But then there's a completely different approach. It's by coming down to the level of the Cheshach itself, enclosing itself, meaning investing yourself in the world and in the opinions of the existence of the evil itself. The one that's coming to refine doesn't just overwhelm and reveal a tremendous giloi that eradicates and annuls the the recipient, but rather you're coming down to him on his level. To the place, to the level of the one that's getting refined. You're having a conversation with evil. You're talking to it. The evil presents itself with its ego and it has an opinion and it has feelings. You, you, you're going to talk and reason with him and explain to him on his level why the Eibishter is the best thing for him. And you're going to therefore bring him around and, tr- and transform him that he should come to this. And for that, the Rebbe adds, you have to be belovushi amizbara. You have to speak to him on his level. When, when you bring a oyer gadol vanayla of Kedusha, you just reveal the tremendous power of Amuna, the power of the neshama v'yid, which automatically, once you have that Amuna so powerfully revealed, so then all sfekas, all doubts, and all ego is, is gone. Doesn't doesn't have place when such Amuna is revealed. But here you have to come down to the level of the Mizbara. You have to speak to him. You have to reason with him. Understand his opinions. Understand his feelings. Over here what you accomplish is, you don't dispel the darkness, but now you're able to transform him himself, that he should come around and become included and involved in this Kedusha itself. Those are the two approaches, which is not only two approaches in how it's done, but also the result is very different, as the Rebbe explained there. Each one of these ways has a certain advantage that the other doesn't have. <clears throat> regarding the one that's coming to refine and to reveal the, the holiness of the Ebishtah, there is a big advantage in the first approach in them, in the sense, was their bitter is so to go down and to refine in this way when you're just revealing the intensity of the Kedusha you have, so then you're never leaving your place. You're never leaving your world. You don't have to go down to his level. 
You're refining him. How? By just extending your holiness and bringing out and revealing your holiness, but you're never going down to the level of the place or the entity that has to be elevated. Which is not true in the second approach. Is the chamis avik im chulu? So Chazal tell us that if you have to come and wrestle with someone that's dirty, so then you yourself are becoming attached and affected by this dirtiness. You're going down to this level. The mevad mushtein and the one that's refining has to come down, is to descend to his level. The gabes and free the gedarge is to lead the level that he was on before. Biz does cannot feel the gaidim zayin achesaron in him. So this can cause, at least temporarily, a certain chesaron. You got to come down from your level. You have to come down from your world, leave your place where you are, and go down and deal with these opinions that are questioning godliness, that are questioning the truth. You have to actually contend with them. It's a whole different approach. So it's a big either. That's on one hand. So by, regarding the mevader, it's a much easier, a much more powerful experience for him where he can be mevader without leaving his place where he is, his place of holiness. On the other hand, regarding the entity which is being elevated and refined, over here, it's the opposite. In the first approach, since the refining process is happening by revealing a light from above, you're not accomplishing anything. You're not working along with the entity itself that has to be refined. Is the So therefore the refinement is happening how? By rejecting, by nullifying its existence. By overwhelming it with this intense revelation that just nullifies it. Over here, the second approach, the one that comes to refine, is taking the time to occupy himself and putting yourself into the mind or into the, the, the whatever the entity is to, to deal with it. In the Mizbara Bimatsavai Ubichinasai on his in his condition and on his level, Pyotar of the Mizbar Gufa over here, the impact you have is completely different. You impact him, his entity itself as Er Bimitsiusai. He for what he is, with his feelings, with his opinions, Zalvar and Aismanagit and Hal of Astar of Kedusha, that that is transformed. That now he, in his world, with his opinions, will now understand and feel the holiness that you brought into his life. That, you, that he gets connected, he gets elevated and becomes part of Kedusha. So as far as the Mizbarer is concerned, this is a much greater bitter when you can transform him himself. So these are the two approaches in general regarding elevating Chayshech into Eir. Or either by dispelling it or by elevating it. As the Rebbe explained by Riches. So now, what's the ultimate purpose amongst these two? Their tachlis hakavone is their avedif and teirum, in their avedif and teirum mitzvahs, is doch, what's the ultimate purpose? And the intention of Hashem creating the world and with the fulfillment of teirum mitzvahs. Is doch ha nitna, lasseis shalom ba'ilam. The teirum is given in order to create peace in the world, which means as follows. What's the real description of peace in the world? Their teichn, shalom amiti, the real idea, of having peace is as the menaged vertnis hapech um macht shalom mit him. It's when the the opposition is not only nullified and eradicated, but that's not real peace. Real peace is when the enemy himself becomes transformed and makes peace with the other party. He himself becomes part of you. He he agrees with you. He comes and joins you. That's real peace. And therefore, the purpose of creation is to make peace in the world. What does this mean? The world itself, by its nature, is a concealment on godliness. 
und man darf machen Shalom Ba'Ilam, als Welt soll es happig werden der Ketusche, to transform the world itself, that its entity, which is a Helen, which is a concealment in godliness, should not be transformed and to utilize the very entity of the world, the world itself for Ketusche, for godliness. That's the ultimate bitter of the world. And therefore we find, Just like Teire itself journeys and travels and comes down here below. Teire discusses matters that are related to the tree of good and bad. In other words, the mixture of the nature of this world, which is good and bad, Teire relates and discusses this. In order that the bitter should be going into the place where there's Taiva and Ra and to take out the Taiva from the Ra. In other words, not just by overwhelming with revelation, but by actually dealing with the condition and the place of the Taiva and Ra itself. In the second way, the second approach that the Rebbe explained before. Even more so, is, At the Taibisha descends into this world to an even greater degree which is what's primarily relevant for, for the point over here regarding Yaakov and Esau. The Hebishu comes down and he, so to speak, dirties his clothing. Kedei, what this means is, Kedei is lozach oifton, the pnimi is the ge'inyin fun ago alti loshen go'ule. In order to accomplish the deeper meaning of the word agaalti, agaalti does not just mean dirty, but agaalti could also be translated as redemption. If you want to have real redemption, full redemption, there bitter a clipper to refine the clipper, kmashkas of mize bome edom ibotsra. Relating back to the theme of the Sikha about Batsra, that Hashem comes from Edom and from Batsra to elevate Edom and Batsra, so you have the idea of the Ebishter Kaviyachl dirtying himself. The Ebishter descends into the entity of the Klippus itself to deal with them, to elevate them from below. That's the degree, that's how far down the Yerida has to be. So this is true regarding Teireh and regarding the Eivishter. The same is true regarding Tzadikim, which are compared to their Creator. Sometimes sometimes you have to descend so low. They descend and come down from the level. And, and they have to get involved and enclose themselves in the garments of the level that they are elevating to the point that they then, have, then, then are going to have to correct this Yerida that happened for a purpose of course and for a positive purpose but nevertheless it is a Yerida in order to fulfill the purpose of creation, to create peace in the world itself to the lowest elements of the existence of the world. So this is how far this level of Birr goes. The second approach the Rebbe is saying here, to go down to the Levushim of the Mizbara, to come down to the place and the condition of the Mizbara, what's being refined, it goes so far that it's a Yerida into the Klippe itself to the point that there's Lichloch, to get dirtied, and there's a real Yerida in order to elevate it from its lo- the lowest place. Now, so this explains, coming back to Yaakov, what he did here when he came and approached Esav. Das is the time. So this is also the explanation for what Yaakov had given for Esav. Why Yaakov, when he came and he approached Esav, so he descended down, he, came, he lowered himself down in front of Esav. 
Not only the Pshat that the Alter Rebbe says in Torah, which means that it's referring to the fact that Yaakov wanted to receive from the Shadish of Esav, which is his master, Naviyad is Lamata. He lowers himself down here to the level of Esav here below. Even though the Nevoah and the Brach is that Esav has to be the one that is going to serve Yaakov. The reason is, like that I've explained before, the shleim was a bitter for an Esav and is, when do you have the full and complete refinement of Esav himself, when Esav mitzazich is moide as a zdar zayin v'rav yavetzar. That's when Esav himself comes to admit that he, now this becomes his opinion, that he admits that I have to be the servant to Yaakov. Not only because this is the nevuah or this is the bracha of Yitzchak, but he himself comes to admit this. In order to accomplish this, so the refinement of it here is not only Yaakov coming as a master and revealing from above to below to Esav, Yaakov that is, is coming to Esav and clothing himself, putting himself into the, into the level of Esav himself. Yaakov comes to Esav and says, so you're my master. In other words, when you say master, I'm ready to listen to you. Let me hear your opinion. What do you have to say? So Yaakov is sort of a recipient. He's, he's going to listen to Esau and reason with him. And then that's how he's going to be able to be mevadah him. In that sense, Esau becomes the Odin. So yes, that's what it means there. He goes down to the level of the Mizbarah. And therefore there's a tremendous Yeridah that happens to Yaakov here, the Mizbarah that comes down to refine him. Biz is his vetinim achasaran to the point that this is considered to be a chasaran, as the medrash describes. As this was a chasaran for for Yaakov coming down, all of course for the purpose. So this is not a chet at all in any sense. Adarabe, this gufa is the purpose to temporarily go down to this level in order to elevate Esau. And this actually expressed itself over here regarding this case, regarding Yaakov and Esau. And then was Yaakov what's a mashpul given for Esau? Yaakov lowered himself down to Esau. He actually was successful and he affected Esau as Esau Zolzogn, whatever is yours is yours. And Rashi there says, Here, and the Rebbe emphasizes here, it's only now that he was made on the brachis because even if before, by force, he had to accept it, he had no choice, and it was from above, from the Nevoah or the bracha, but now here he, from below, he himself. Admitted to these brachas, which also includes the bracha that Yaakov is a leader over you, over Esav. Biz, and this will finally bring us to some bitter from Esav, the full refinement of Esav, which will be revealed in the future when Mashiach comes, that I will come <coughs> to my master and sayer, the Yidim will go up. And, and Hartzian, and then there they will judge also the mountain of Esau and the Hoysa, La Havaye, Hamalucha. The kingdom will all breed the Abishters.